Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello. How are you doing? First things first, I need to do my usual beg. Just in case you've got any spare money and you love giving money towards podcasts like this one, in exchange for very brilliant podcast-related presents and gifts, rewards, I think they're officially called, you can do that now. Please go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. I would be so grateful. That funding is going to help me keep this podcast not only alive, but growing and bettering and bettering in very exciting ways. I finished that. It's finished. Let's have a podcast. This week's guest is the highest Lord Wizard of radio and podcasting, Jeff Lloyd. He makes me the most incredible master feast I have ever had on a hoovering. A really giant, delicious banquet of Indian food, full of exciting things that I'd never even tried before, like sev and mooli, all perfectly cooked, so perfectly put together. Lucky me! I am a lucky duck. I'm such a lucky duck. We talk about everything from hand sodomy to addictions to odd repulsions to farting on the Magna Carta. And we find a very unlikely cure for climate change. There is an amazing story that Jeff's got about sexist menu disaster. Oh, and at the end, it makes me cry. Shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, these things are just the best. This is amazing. What is that? It's Sev. So it's like um, crispy vermicelli, but it's like this Indian thing. Um, it looks like super noodles that have been it, it, smashed up exact, and spiced. That's exactly what it's like, sense. dry super noodles. Wow. Um, right. A few years ago, Sarah and I, see, when, when we went to India, 
so we, we started doing IVF and just before we were going to start IVF we thought our lives are potentially going to change forever here so yeah. let's have one last splash holiday okay, so, so I'm booked proper travelling in this, India yeah and when I say travelling but let, let me be clear here I am not a backpacky type of person <laughs> I mean opulence I mean like we splashed out nice end of the plane yeah. like top places oh, to stay wow. in India okay, amazing. so um, we left on Boxing Day so we get to Heathrow and basically there's fog in Delhi where we're supposed to be landing to transfer and the plane can't take off so they say alright we're going to have to uh, put you up in a hotel for the night so we end up staying in one of those airport hotels and I'm livid because I'm losing a day of this last hurrah holiday and we're in this hotel in Heathrow and close to Heathrow there's an area called Southall which is a big Indian community yeah. so I said to Sarah why don't we go out and have Indian food yeah. like, so we get to a really great authentic Indian restaurant and we get back to the hotel and we've had a great meal women were just so full and Sarah said I'm not feeling great and basically she gets severe food poisoning no, from no. this meal we've been so vigilant in the run up to go oh. to India we've taken all these probiotics we've read I think about you know you only have salad if it's been washed in mineral water and all this stuff and she manages to get deli belly in South all the <laughs> night before we leave for India so and the reason I mention this is so we get to India and it's just chaos all the flights are delayed by fog our connecting flight to the place in Rajasthan we were staying had been cancelled and I'm so upset I've already lost a day of holiday it looks like I could lose another one so I end up paying for a taxi from Delhi to I think it was called Jaisalmer the place we went to and it was a 17 hour taxi journey no with an upset tummy I was so livid Sarah says she thought I was breaking from reality she says Jeff do you want to listen to a podcast do you want to read something and I was just sitting staring with fury on my face just sitting on the back seat of this taxi just staring for the whole 17 hours she listened to it was when Serial was first a thing so she listened to Serial in that time and I just sat staring and we stopped off somewhere along the way and I got a bag of these things this yeah. sev which you'd usually have in something like a bell puri or some, some kind of chat but I just sat eating them out of the bag and her abiding memory of, is of me staring into space for 17 hours eating these tiny vermicelli crispy things in a rage <laughs> and not an entirely happy like nostalgic burst that you get no no but I have, to, I have developed quite an addiction to them now Oh my god, what an incredible story. I've never been to India. Was she well enough to enjoy the food once you got there? Yeah, so it was, it was I mean, she is. When we first got together, I'm veggie, um, and I, I like corn things. I know mm. a lot of veggies think meat substitutes are silly, but I, I don't. You know, I, I like animals, but I also used to like eating meat, mm. but so that's why I like meat substitutes. So I'd made Sarah a couple of things with corn, and, and she is. Um, what they call a metaphobic, which is highly phobic of vomiting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk about this. Um, oh, no. I mean, it's, it's like a big part of our lives. The, the running joke is sort of four nights a week, we'll go to bed and she'll say, do you think I'm going to vomit? And I say, no, I don't think you're going to vomit. She says, I feel nauseated. If I do vomit, it'll be okay, won't. So, so this, is, oh, this, wow. is a, this is a constant soundtrack to my life, Sarah's worry about vomiting. And she became convinced that she was allergic to corn. I said, don't be ridiculous. I mean, why corn? It's mushrooms. Yeah. But she did get ill a couple of times after eating it. Okay. And I thought, okay, this is clearly psychosomatic. Yeah. And then I read an article that something like one in 10,000 people are highly allergic yeah. to the mushrooms that they use in corn. Oh, no. So she is, as it turns out. I feel really <laughs> guilty. That was horrible to her. We have to start eating soon because I can't bear it. Okay, then. Much longer, but also, so, I have to say, like, 
No one has ever put on a spread like this so far. You've really raised the bar, Jeff. That's this what is insane. This I thought I won't so be the best guest you've ever had on your podcast, but I you, thought I can put on a nice spread for you. You already are the best guest I've ever had. <laughs> Look at this. I need you to obviously tell me what yeah. everything is. There's four massive dishes of incredible smelling and looking. So nearly everything is out of Mira Sodder's cookbook. Oh, brilliant. Um, okay. People might know her name because she does the vegan column in The Guardian, but she's written a couple of brilliant... Indian cookbooks, one which is all veggie and it's mainly Gujarati food. So in front of us here, we have a tomato fry. So it's tomato fried in spices and they've kept that shape-ish, Ooh. which I'm quite pleased with, um, with these Sev noodles on top. And then here is a salad and it's mouli and I've never bought a mouli before, so that I've was quite exciting. I don't know what to do with one, yeah. so is that raw mouli? It's there? raw mouli in a salad with pomegranate mm. and red onion and radishes. And then there is just like a sort of fried shredded cabbage thing in different spices. And so those are all mirror soda. And this one's off the internet. And it's um, it's basically you boil the potatoes, then fry them, then put um, spicy chat over it. And it's oh really my addictive god! Probably quite yes, bad please. for you. What herb is it you've chucked on in there? It's that? called chat masala. Oh, and then on top there's um, uh, it's coriander. Coriander. Oh my god, that's amazing! So I went to uni with mirror soda. Did you really? She never met me. <laughs> I shouldn't be the way that. I that she never it. met you. She never met me. <laughs> One day, she's lucky she'll meet me. <laughs> One of my closest friends still from uni was her housemate for a while. Does he and have anything good to say about her? She does, but interestingly, I might get in trouble here, but I'm going to say it. Apparently at uni, and bearing in mind we were like 18, 19, but then apparently Mira was like kind of a little bit oppressed and bored by the cooking of her heritage. She was right. Like, you know, she would much rather have some cuisine other than Indian. Yeah, yeah. And so... The mutual friend we have uh, is quite tickled by the fact that now she has this incredible career and it's like the go-to, you know, chef. Really yeah, I think, I think maybe like the, um, it's quite common in second and third generation immigrants to have that thing where you have a bit of a backlash yeah. against it. Uh, there's a great cookbook that I use by somebody called Vicky Bogal that came yeah. out about 15 years ago and it's cooking like mummy G and mummy G is it's like a sort of anglicised mashup um, of what you'd call your grandmother. Mm. if you're sort of a British Indian kid growing up and basically it's the recipes that that generation improvised when they moved here and they didn't have access to all the things they were used to at home so you know they use things like Heinz baked beans and ketchup and brown sauce and and so on brilliant yeah what great idea yeah it's really good it might be out of print now but it's a really really good cookbook these potatoes look insane they look so good they look like they've got all the benefits of a roasty and a jacket potato. Oh, and they really blackened. I just want to say as well that um, I can only cook from recipes. Right, so I was not saying, an improviser. No, I say it's like, you know, trying to speak a language but doing it phonetically. <laughs> so if you were to give me a bunch of ingredients, I'd just choke. So like that, that round on MasterChef where they give you... Yeah, they need yeah, to... Yeah, ready, steady, you, cook, they, they, any they, of those things. They pull a sheet off and yeah. you've got like... God. Yeah, but I'm a very meticulous follower right. of a recipe. Right, I saw that you have like reams and reams of instructions. I'm embarrassed that you saw those though, and I'll tell you for why. Because why? I'm somebody that people cool. think of as having very nice handwriting, but I have two separate handwritings. I have one for other people and one for myself. I've and seen the handwriting for myself handwriting. is horrible, it's just disgusting. No, it's not. No, no, no. I've, I've seen you've hidden them. them. Have you actually hidden them from real life shame? Handwriting shame. <laughs>
Mmm. Delicious. I'm just dishing up your normal portion. Bearing in mind that last time I came here for lunch, you cooked something so delicious that I got so full that I got three new stretch marks <laughs> on the day. Well, that was another Mira Sutter. It was one called a hundred garlic clove curry. Oh man. And it was so tasty, but I suffered for we, days. We, yeah. Days. Text that. messages were exchanged. Yeah. I was in a very noisy birthday party, thank God, so I could fart the night away. <laughs> but poor Sarah, who had also partaken, had gone to see a quiet theatre show. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Did I tell you about recently I um, had to go to the British Library? I do this show for American Radio, the Beatles yeah. have their own channel over there, and I do a show oh, for yeah. them. And um, they've got all these handwritten Beatle lyrics on display at the British Library. So they said will you go there and talk to the curator so I did and while I was talking to him I got you know such bad pains in my abdomen I think I really need to break wind but there's people milling around and looking at stuff so I think I'm looking it's it's a big exhibition and I look around this room and I can see there's a little ante room off to one side Mm. so I walk into it and just as I walk in I just (laughs) let rip I mean it's it's loud it's noxious it's just terrible so, so two things happened one is I noticed that somebody has followed me into the room oh no and then the second thing I realised is I'm now standing in front of the Magna Carta so I just walked into a room so, so somebody said somebody, yeah, into the room. somebody said uh, it's a Magna Carta that is very yeah. I love it I yeah. laughed so much I've made a dog bark <laughs> this is off the chart. It's good, isn't it? I've only so tried the tomato good. so far. What have you had? I've had the tomato. It's so good. It feels quite kind of dainty. But that fried potato is one of my mm. favourite things at the moment. The salad is good too. Oh, wow. Mmm, cabbage is so good. I think it's tricky with cabbage. It can get kind of drowned out and become just a texture, but it's really cabbagey cabbage. Mm. Randomly, even though it's totally Indian and it's spicing, that it's reminding me of my. I have a, I had an Austrian grandmother who used to do things that maybe there's one type of mustard seed or something in there that's in Austrian cooking too. It's got black really mustard seeds in it. Maybe it's that. That's so tasty. Like a, was it sort of a sauerkraut thing you used to? Mm. Well, no, it was warm. Mm. Oh, those crunchy potatoes. Okay. I'm, I'm diving in. I'm diving yeah. in. Mm. It's very difficult for me not to sit and start asking you questions about your yeah. Austrian grandmother and things. Oh, really? I'm, so, I'm so used to... Being the up question. Uh, yeah, and, and not just because of my job, but Sarah says I'm like this socially as well. I think I don't like talking about myself that much. And it's right. not... that I'd be absolutely clear here in a therapy session mm. I love talking about myself because yeah. I'm not worried about whether I'm boring the other person yeah so way. I actually love talking about myself but I, I'm very worried that I'm a boring person so I just ask a lot of questions to, to um, I don't think to any boring that. person could have made a meal like this I'm going to try Moody like almost on its own because okay. I've never tried Moody before it's a fun word to say mm. Moody Moody Mm. It's got a bit of the water chestnut to it. Yes, that's mm. it. And it's quite radishy. Mm. It's so, I mean, it's just not really a great describing word, but it's so fresh. This salad is a perfect accompaniment to all the other things on here. Thank you. Sharp and light and 
really, really tangy, tangy. I do feel I'm quite good at putting together a, a spread. You are. This right? is I think that's one of my gifts so in life, good. is matching things up. Mm. I never really make bread or rice. I've never made bread and I rarely make rice. Just because the effort to reward ratio seems quite low. And I'd love bread, really? but I just think the effort of sort of rolling something out and using an oven and then it rising, and I always get the impression there's more to go wrong with bread than there is with other things. Yeah, bread, I think, is an art form. Mm. Whereas rice, I think people shit themselves about and it's not that hard. Mm. The first time I ever made coconut rice was like, oh, this is a thing of splendour. <laughs> really creamy with like one dry bread chilli in the middle of the mm. pot that just slowly creeps through to everything else. Mm. I know you're a recipe man, but are you constantly trying new things, or do you have like a bit of regularity? So my wife has put a ban on, ban on me buying any more recipe books mm-hmm. because she feels that you know they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we we eat the same things really. Well, maybe at the weekend we'll try something different. Mm. But we eat the same things really during the week. I think like most people, one of them's out of that book I mentioned, cookie, cooking like Mummy G. Mm. It's pasta. Um, fusely pasta, mm. uh, and then you dump on top of that some natural yogurt, and then on top of that go some uh, red onions and garlic fried mm. in oil with chili oh. and cumin and salt and pepper, oh. and that's sort of a ten minute thing that we eat all the time. Great. And then Sarah's got this pasta that she does mm. from one of Anna Jones's. Is that her one more thing? I yeah, yeah, yeah. For kale and cherry tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Ah. My partner would love me to um, do the same thing more often. I think. So are you adventurous then? Yeah, I think so. But to the point of it, where he's infuriated because I'll cook something and we'll love it and then I just won't do it again. Mm. There's too many things in the world to try. I know what you mean. But actually I think perhaps I'm, maybe I'm stressing myself out a bit. Like, there's, there's a real joy to be taken in familiarity. You've got to play the greatest hits as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I don't, I genuinely don't know if I enjoy cooking or mm. not. Really? Yeah. So there's something meditative, meditative about chopping up vegetables mm-hmm. or just the process of it. It's, you know, it's it's quite mind-numbing in its way, which I enjoy. Mm. But if you said to me, Jeff, I've bought you a robot, the robot knows how to do all those things, all you need to do is tell it the recipe, I'm not sure that I'd ever cook anything ever again. Really? Yeah. The heat in that tomatoes is so good. You don't think I've overspiced it? No, I really love really spicy food. Mm. But it's... Oh, the whole front of my mouth is ringing mm. at the perfect nice. amount. Nice. But not so that I can't taste anything else. Mm. It's so good. So have you, have you ever had a complete disaster? Luckily you... not when people have been coming around. I made a risotto a while ago. I really love, you know, cantarelle mushrooms, which you get in the autumn. Mm. And I used to live in Sweden some of the time and like people are obsessed with mushrooms like, like, and I was never at this stage where I could go out picking mushrooms because I yeah. don't know which ones are poisonous and, yeah. and so on but the Swedes are really in touch with nature and people would have their own like, locations they wouldn't tell you where because they knew where they could find good mushrooms yeah. and so I ate all this amazing food really with um, cantarelle mushrooms and other woodland mushrooms so I thought I'd try and replicate one of the recipes that's I looked up a Swedish website and translated it and made this re- I mean, it's not like I've never made a risotto before but I genuinely have no idea what went on I started making it about half past seven as she was putting our son to bed and at eleven o'clock at night the rice was still hard no and I had poured so much liquid into it I think like this- a paddling pool's worth of liquid <laughs> it was and, and Sarah's brother is a chef 
So I, I FaceTimed him, yeah. and I was pointing the phone at the pan, saying, can you see anything that's obviously gone wrong here? And he couldn't see anything. Oh and, and I've God. got no idea what went on with this risotto, but you know, we ended up eating at around 11.30, and it wasn't good. The rice was still hard. No! Yeah. I swear I feel similar about risottos. I so rarely bother, because risotto rice feels like those kids' birthday candles that were a trick. Like that they don't ever You can't blow them out Like you can't ever Finish cooking risotto rice Exactly the same thing I swear I've made risotto That have had an entire Bottle of wine in Mm. Four Mm. litres of stock And you're just Standing there Stirring Mm. it And stirring I tempt for years For two days a week For my sins In a hedge fund Right Oh my word Was there any opportunity For embezzling? Absolutely none Mm. Once I borrowed one of the higher up people's umbrellas and I hoped that cash would fall out as I popped it open but it didn't I hated it but I did very very little Um, and I made great great friends with the woman I sat next to who was the main receptionist and I'm still friends with her and she's Italian and she would bring me back beautiful rice from Italy that did make lovely risottos quite quickly and I'd tell her these stories of trying Mm. risottos and she'd be like what? she doesn't even stir it Rice in, stock in, lid on, fuck off. Come back in 20, 20 minutes, a half an hour, beautiful risotto. Next time there's an oil spill, they should use risotto rice. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, yeah. actually. We're all worried about this, like, waterlogged apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not if there's enough borborio in the world. Yeah, no. You could combat climate change, rising sea levels <laughs> with risotto rice. Mm. Yeah, I've made one risotto for my son and his verdict was a bit spiky. <laughs> a bit spiky. Are you into diets generally? Yeah, so uh, I am... Um, well, I'm not into diets, I just like really hate my body. <laughs> so... So, so on, in any, I pomegranate In any given day, most of what I'm thinking about is food. Mm. Oh, me too. And sort of the unhappier I am, mm. the more it obsesses me. But do you not find going on diets makes you more obsessed with food? I find... Yeah, a little bit. So I, I didn't... I, I've not done a great job with that 5-2 diet. But basically, I, I, I sort of... Really? Oh. I went freelance about a year ago. So yeah. up until a year ago, I had a place to be every day. Yeah. And now it's it's kind of... It's, it's less structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that... I've got this two-year-old who yeah. I spend a lot of time with, and you know, you do that thing of hoovering up mm-hmm. what he's he's left over. Mm-hmm. So over the course of a year, I've put on two and a half stone. No, yeah, really? and, and weight is fairly much the only thing that I still do in Imperial as well. Everything right. else I'm metric for, but it's I true, isn't yeah, it? that and TV sizes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many inches of TV? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, I put on all this weight. And uh, while you're talking about this weight gain, I'm just going to have some more of these fried potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm self-medicating with food a lot of the right, time. Right, like right. whenever I'm anxious because yeah, yeah, of the yeah. anxiety that goes with being freelance. Yeah. Um, or okay, of know, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah and I'm sort of a depressive to. person as right. well. So I, I mean, as a rule of thumb, the fatter I am, the unhappier I am. Really? Yeah. And I know that you know people quite rightly. Uh, talk about um, fat shaming and the way that um, 
you know obesity is treated in some ways yeah. in society and I, I you know I really like people who don't hold themselves to society's norms of what attractive is but yeah. I, I can't break out of that it's too deeply yeah. entrenched in me and like I, I feel like I'm an unpleasant looking person anyway what? I, I do I do I always have and oh, then Jeff. but when I was a kid I was very skinny so I was very right. skinny up until about 2022. I'm telling you four seconds. I know, I will be doing two. So good. So I've got this very sort of weird self image in my head where I grew up feeling like this unattractive ginger haired kid, and then I got fat in my 20s when I was an alcoholic and, you know, various other things. So then it's like, oh god, not only am I unattractive, but I'm fat and unattractive as well. (laughs) So I go through phases where I lose weight and then I'm happy for a while. But all the while being very. It's successful though. In your career. Well, I don't know about that, but um, yeah. But as 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 that's sort of happening to me, I'm, mm. I'm so will then get thin again, and then as as I get to the top of the slippy slope where I'm feeling unhappy, I'll just think, oh, I'm so unattractive anyway. What does it matter if I'm fat as well? I might as well just <laughs> let it all go. That's so funny that you see it as like a conscious a cycle that you're conscious of where yeah. you're at in throughout that time yeah and, and maybe that's helped by being sober actually though <laughs> maybe I mean, I, 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 when I was um, drinking I got huge I don't know if you've seen photos I'm a huge no what's my phone I'll show you a picture of me huge <laughs> no no the polite thing here would be to like you don't have to do that but it's like no I no, 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 of course you want to look at of course it, yeah. I want to have a look yeah uh, <laughs> bear with me when was this then? So it's like, tw- like 97, 98, right. that kind of time. Through to about maybe like 2000. I stopped drinking early in 2001, so right. that would be... 17 years ago, probably. Yeah. And it's awful not drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Still 17 years old. Yeah. Mm. Look, there's a, there's a lovely picture of me circa oh like 1998, You're like a completely different mm. person. Completely different. But I mean, I th- with the weight I've put on in the last year, I feel like I'm 5% No, you're that's, that's not! see myself. You look like a completely different person. Oh, I wish I had some pictures on me, but when I was... God, in one of them, it was around similar time. I won Best Actress in the Dorset Drama League. It's a dragon in a fat suit. Is it a dragon in a fat suit? Yes, yeah, Amdram. I hope that's a sarcastic congratulations. <laughs> it was awful. And I was so bad at singing that even though I was the lead in the play, I wasn't allowed to sing my own songs. I was putting other children off. Did you lip sync? I would have been... Yeah. To lip like in the old golden age for Hollywood. Yeah, and somebody it, behind and the it says about what my com- what the com- <laughs> how fierce the competition was. I still won Best Actress in the Dorset Drama League. <laughs> But it lip syncing through a terrible new musical. <laughs> oh, so bad. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, I, yeah, probably around that time, I similarly, but I I got massive because I got really happy in a relationship for the right. first time. Um, about 15, 16 mm. years old and stone. Um, <laughs> and then, so I equated it with happiness, but actually, I think. You know, you look back now with a bit more self-awareness about oh, what you do in certain mental states and you think, well, actually, there was an awful lot going on then. Mm-hmm. It wasn't conscious at the time. It was very much a mindless... Well, I haven't... Sarah, Sarah's quoted this to me. I haven't read it, but the Cat and the Moran book, mm. um, there's a line in that is if your friend gets into a new relationship and you don't see her for a sort of couple of months and then when you do see her, she's put on a bit of weight, it's probably a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, basically. We would, and he was like, yeah, he was super athletic and mm. we just ate loads, so I just ate loads with him and stacked it on. It's so great, though, those early stages of relationship where you're going out and eating all also, the time. Also, I think that naivety, I've always felt really sorry for friends who said, oh, and I've still got friends who say, oh, the first year in a relationship, I stay really thin. And I think, fuck, that's miserable. Yeah. That means you can't be trusting that they're really, really into you. No, it's a, it's a horrible that's, insecurity that's to That's really that, sad, yeah. yeah. But obviously it's not healthy to be, like, <laughs> eating tons all through that time. It's so tricky. But then I got to uni and that went to having stru- lots and lots of structure in my life and lost loads of weight. Mm. Um, and put a bit back on. Wave it around there ever since. But it's. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do, Jess. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if it's some, yeah, I feel like I'm at a crossroads where if I go got to, down one path, it could end up in a smock. <laughs> it's not going to end in a smock. Mm, I'm in my tongue. I think perhaps for the 5 2 diet to work, we need to have your um, life needs to have a bit of um uniformity to it mm. and like you said I think a big change like becoming self-employed from going to go into a place at the same time every day to suddenly like having each day as a totally different ball game that's both of our lives at the moment that's really hard then to be mm. really organised but I do consider myself like because of the alcoholism I think of myself as a quite an all or nothing person right. so I do think I, I am the person who can decide okay I'm only going to eat 600 calories right. a day that's quite easy for yeah. me but there's something at the moment you know it's again I think it's probably tapped into the alcoholism right. whereas I see what I eat I very rarely see it as fuel and think of it as it has to be a treat of some mm. description and then my wife is out working a lot in the evenings and I yeah. don't like being on my own. So I think, okay, what's my treat? Uh, my treat is a Cornetto. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, so yeah. I, I don't know why I've got this sort of need to reward myself with these. Well, I do know, actually, it's because I can't have a drink, so yeah, I don't yeah, get yeah. to do that. So this is what I get to do instead. But I think it's a really stupid way of living, thinking of all food has to be really great and, and treats and exciting. I find that hard even with um, parenting, though. I read something early on that was quite revelatory that said to not... um, Because I put a lot of my issues with food down to one of my parents, the dad, um, who came from a family with the Austrian grandmother who who really, really, really showed love through food, but at the same time really viscerally hate fat people. So would feed and feed and feed, and my dad always the same as... Nana would give me a bowl of jam with a spoon yeah. and be like, you're looking so porky. Right. And really shame you for it, God, but, then make, but then want you to eat more. So it's really confusing. But So I was quite determined to really try and give Rudy, my kid, a bit more balance. Mm, or mm. At least just try not to fuck him up. It'll probably yeah. happen in some way otherwise. But um, yeah, I just read something that said, the first bit seemed obvious, like don't bollock them if they don't want to eat whatever right. it is you've given them. And I was like, fine, I can manage that. And then it said... Don't be like, oh, well done, good boy, if he does eat, or if he does right. eat all up, or whatever, and I can't do it. 
can't do it. Do you not just think with some of these things, like you, uh, you, you look at everybody you see on the street and you think, they, they figured it out. <laughs> Like, I mean, there are some people who are extremes, <laughs> yeah. obviously, and there's probably like some underlying emotional issues if, if you're sort of like a, a long way towards either end of the spectrum. Yeah. But by and large, you know, human beings have lived on this planet for all these millions of years, yeah. and we've just figured it out. And most people haven't been reading books about the very precise things you say to your kid yeah. when they've just done a poo or when they've just eaten a meal or whatever. I think just do what feels natural and don't yeah. worry about it too much. Yeah, even if the feeling natural is going. Good boy, it's fine because I think you know that's probably what people have been doing for thousands of years. Also, for thousands of years, like there, people will have not had enough. Like we are, it's such a fucking privileged bit of advice to say. Oh, you know, like if they don't want to finish their plate, then that's fine. You'd be like, yeah, sure, just chuck it in the bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. And even that baby led weaning, yeah. which is like a thing now, where you give your kids stuff to hold and you really let them manage their stuff, involves so much food waste. I'm that terrible, actually, from an yeah. environmental point of view, you think what pigs we are. I am like, terrible with food waste because I can only cook from a recipe. Yeah, I don't know what to do with the leftover ingredients. So I've got some leftover radishes, no idea what to do with them. My mother-in-law, when she comes to visit, anything like the bad bit of a spring onion, yeah. you know, she hoards it and then puts it in a frittata. Maybe. She's obsessed with putting things in frittatas. <laughs> you heard of bin scraps frittatas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night yeah. after night. Yeah, but I mean, I don't do any of that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm awful and wasteful. I was thinking about restaurants and, and about... So there's, we've been to a couple of restaurants recently where after dinner I've gone to order a coffee yeah. and they've said, oh, sorry, we don't do coffee. What? And I thought, well, that, that's been my initial response. And then I thought more about it and thought about what a strange convention it is to have a cup of coffee after your dinner. Now, I'm not somebody who's particularly caffeine sensitive, but most people are walking around, you offer them a cup of coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon, they go, oh, I couldn't possibly, I'll be awake all night. And yet it's considered normal to have a cup of coffee after your dinner in a restaurant. I think I changed the day I heaved a baby out on that. I think I would have said, no, I don't drink coffee after midday. 
and then had a, and I've always loved coffee and drunk loads of coffee up until mm. midday. But I think you have one insomnia that you can potentially blame on that, and you'll never risk it again. Right, right. And then and then you have a kid, and it blows it all out the water. I'll drink coffee the second I feel slightly, slightly less than a hundred percent firing on all cylinders. Would you like a coffee? Yes, please. Would you like a regular coffee or an iced coffee? <gasps> regular, please, actually. Even though it's a lovely day. And how would you take it? Just black, please. Same as me. Oh, yum. Actually, I did bring these. I brought some drinks, some weird drinks that we have to have a sip of. Oh, great. Just so that I've contributed something to this mighty feast. Well, I didn't make a pudding. I didn't, I just, I didn't give it any thought, really. So. No, I'm not a pudding person. Well, Couldn't care less about puddings. So should we have some cold-pressed juice and coffee? Yeah. <laughs> what have you got? I've got a bee-fresh, cold-pressed goodness green warrior... It's got apple, cucumbers. Actually, maybe I shouldn't tell you and see if you can do No. Apple, cucumber, spinach, kale, lime, and ginger. And then another one which I bought, even though I look at it and I'm worried. Beet and black. Co op cold pressed. I might have that one. Apple, beetroot, carrot, black currant, and lemon. Yeah, because I've got a psychosomatic intolerance of cucumber. Oh, really? Yeah, it gives me a headache. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason cucumber should give me a headache, but I. Uh... I'm going to have a sip of that one, but I think I'm, I'm worried I might not like it because I don't really love beetroot and drinks. Oh, thank you. Look, yum. I said to Sarah, this is something I. <laughs> Only recently realised that I do. So we have these mugs which I've had for years. Um, I guess I collect them, but it's you know I don't do it consciously, so it's not a very good collection. But they're these um, mugs with them, the Moomins on them. Nice. And I realise that when people come round, I try to match the mug to the person in some way. Do you? Say yes. Oh my God, I didn't know so you've got a hemulin there who, I don't think you're a hemulin type of person, but the hemulin is looking through a magnifying glass at the things on the ground yes. and you're here to sort of do a bit of investigating yes. about food and relationships with food. So that's why I chose that mug. Oh, it's lovely, you. but also, and you'll have no way of knowing this, but purple's my favourite colour by Miles. Is that right? And you've given me the purple mug. Right, okay, I'm gonna try this juice. I like mine. Oh, fuck off, I don't like mine. Fuck off, I can say it because I brought it. <laughs> Scott, it just tastes just as spinach. Mm. You can't have spinach and kale. It's too pure. <laughs> Green Warrior. I don't do well with most smoothies because they have banana in them and I really detest banana and I can taste it, you know, if it's in Brit- Sarah will sometimes try and trick me into eating things with banana in it, thinking that the taste is, is so minimal. It's lost. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I always, always, always get it. I used to feel that exactly the same and, and would hate the fact that banana seemed to overpower everything and everything that it's in. But um, I don't mind it now. Frozen in a smoothie, I don't mind it. Really? Yeah, but I still would... You're a late-in-life banana lover. I'm a late-in-life banana lover. I'd say twice a year would I feel inclined to actually eat a banana on its own. No, thank you. Five-second rule, yes or no? Oh, yeah, I'm not that fussed about. I mean, you were coming today, so I made sure I washed my hands before I handled any produce. (laughs) I'm I'm not overly concerned. I'm not germ-phobic at all. Somebody, I think it might have been my own ancient and brilliant grandmother, um, who is so laid back, recently called me out on the fact that I don't wash my kid's hands enough before I let him. 
I just think it's probably good for his immune system. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but maybe I should do it ever. I do have that thing though where once my. So if somebody's eating and they got the food in front of them, oh, that looks delicious, I'd love it, you know, they're quite like it if somebody offers me a bit of their food. Yeah. As soon as their knife and fork is at 25 past in the we're done here position, yes. whatever's left on their plate becomes disgusting to me. Really? Yeah, That's I wouldn't this, want to touch Jeff, it. This is fascinating. Yeah. So I've left a bit here, like yeah, a, yeah. a crescent of radish and um, sieve. Yeah, like, and even so, we, we ate the meal out of serving plates, and there's still food left in each of the serving plates, and it all looks great. But that same food on your plate, because I know you're now done with it, is, is somehow disgusting to me. Oh my god, that's yeah. so funny and strange. Yeah. That's wonderful. I took a, I've just taken a picture of this plate because I think it looks beautiful. <laughs> all the oranges and purples and pinks oh, yeah. smeared about. I think that looks. I can get quite annoyed with my wife That's at a restaurant so because funny. when she puts when she's done she yeah. doesn't necessarily put the cutlery at the right angle is that so an American she, thing? I don't know what it is but I think you've got to there's got to be a clear signal to the person who's because I really hate once I'm done with my food I really hate it sitting in front of me yeah. I, I just want them to clear it very quickly funny yeah and um, I, I think you've got to give that clear 25 past signal and sometimes she'll sort of have them Laid out a bit like that, attempted to, or heartbreaking. Heartbreaking yeah. for you, Jeff. Yeah. Never mind yeah. And is this troubling you that there's just a fork on here? No, no, I that's left, fine. I left my spoon in the That's fine. The, the fork is in the right position, so that's fine. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, have you got any particular, as, as someone who didn't know they're a gadget person, but clearly is, mm. um, have you got any particular like hopes or wishes? Same thing. Um, or predictions about technology and eating in the future. I mean, I just would love there to be a robot that could prepare food. Right, chopping. Yeah, the, the chopping is, is is the thing, really. Yes. Because I quite like when I'm cooking, I quite like that experience, like you feel like you're a stage manager or something, you're like, okay, radishes, you're on, and they go into the, you know, it's, it's a bit like that, yeah. these little um, monologues in my head, but, uh, and I'm very slow. I'm, some, somebody said to me, once that watching me shuffle a deck of cards is the most painful thing he's ever seen in his life because I'm such a physically inept person so it, it, it probably takes me ten times longer than anybody else to chop an onion up it's funny you're very cruel to yourself but it's very funny I think with stuff like that with technology I never know whether it would be the worst thing or the best thing but I, I have ideas all the time like I, I wonder whether one one day it will be scientifically possible to be able to like scan a plate that you've dished up and tell you the exact nutritional content of yes. it and perhaps have a, an, a siren to go off to go you your exact body you know they know yeah. your exact dimensions where you're at emotionally yes. tiredness everything yeah. height weight but way more complicated than that so really first I thought you. you were describing just Shazam for food and calories no because no, I think that would be quite I, I don't. I can just see people that feeding into people's obsessions in the same mm. way that I think restrictive diets do. Mm. But if you actually had something that really understood you, really understood the content of the, what food you're putting with what, what it's going to do, how long that's going to keep you full for, etc., etc., and then if it actually just went, and if you stop now, you'll feel lovely, and you won't need to eat for yeah. four hours, or you you. But I wonder whether it's. I mean, I know that 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 would as incredible as that would be, wouldn't it just siphon? The fun. No. No, I you I like do. it. I'd just love to abdicate all responsibility for everything. Yeah. <laughs> to machines or whoever. One of my great fantasies in life 
this is dark, this is really dark. Yes, please. Is something that isn't particularly painful but would lead to sort of mid-term hospitalisation. <laughs> so I have been hospitalised a couple of times in my life and what I love is just the responsibility stops. Yeah. And, and your food is brought to you three times a day and you know that somebody's thought about what's in it yeah. you know that nothing bad can really happen to you because you've got these people who've devoted their careers into yeah. sort of keeping an eye out for warning signs and things I, I, I know this is like a weird thing to admit but it's like no, a I little I really like it I hear a similar yeah. fancy about wanting to go to prison right it's waned but in my teens and twenties I think about it quite often actually I would love that do you think regiment. you could hold your own in prison I haven't really considered that side of it. To me, it was just this romantic vision mm. of all this time alone mm. with a, you know pens and papers at the time. <laughs> Things involved. I'd quite like to have a Mac now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the stuff you get get done. Yeah. With no I mean, one asking you to do. I do, I do I mean, you, know, I have, you wash every yeah. day. You eat. You yeah. know. You get your fresh air. You're having all the things you need. But no, I hadn't really considered all the kind of buggery in that yeah yeah the sodomy is off-putting isn't it yeah, yeah. not to make light of it <laughs> no, I mean, you know exactly don't stereotype right. stereotype all prisoners as sodomizers sodomy happens no, in all women no, prisons no. assuming that's well I'd go to one of those <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if I'd do well in that did they still break up rocks I don't think I'd be good at that <laughs> now I've just got images of just having the most wrong thought about <laughs> how the sodomy would have to work in an all women prison are you seeing like just toilet like brushes the, just no just just sort of hand sodomy I was thinking about just, I'll move on um, <laughs> you call this episode like hand good, sodomy oh no, yes please oh god um, <laughs> oh. Hello, I'm just quickly interrupting myself to tell you about an amazing walk that's happening if you're in London on Friday the 6th of July. It's the RCN, the Royal College of Nursing Foundation. Go to rcnfoundation.org.uk. This is to raise awareness of how overworked and understaffed nursing is at the moment. It's a huge thing. Look up more. Um, go to the rcnfoundation.org.uk or look them up online at RCN Foundation. And this walk, someone's going to walk 10,000 steps through London. That's the number of steps a nurse walks in one shift. And they're all raising money. There's loads more information if you look up hashtag language of kindness. I think it would be a great thing to get involved in if you care about nurses. Thanks. I feel like awkwardness is your brand. Mm. Um, have you ever eaten anything out of embarrassment or awkwardness that you really didn't want to? Oh, yeah. So the worst... The, the story is, it's kind of not quite me, but some, some years ago, my ex and I went to Paris for Valentine's Day. Oh, and pressure. I am an obsessive about picking out restaurants and holidays and making everything perfect in that way. So do you do so, travelling? Sometimes do you go on your holidays specifically for food? Uh, um... I think I have. Like, I've yeah. been to some, like, sort of, you heard of a sort of posh French chef called Alan Ducasse, who he's got Michelin stars all over the place, right. and he's sort of this godfather of French cooking. I've right, stayed in a couple of his places. Oh, wow. um, and I used to, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I used to love going to those Michelin starred restaurants, yeah. went to the French laundry and. Um, California and I would always sort of research this stuff before I travel and, and food is definitely a big thing with me before I travel and as I get older I'm sort of less interested in that sort of very fussy right. tasting menu 
sort of food. But the, the point being, it is something you know. I, I will tend to have booked to the restaurants for every night Brilliant. before we before we travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd gone to Paris with my ex for Valentine's Day. I booked this beautiful restaurant overlooking Notre Dame, and, and we go in, and it's the most perfect setting it's it's the the table is in an alcove at the end of the alcove is a window with this beautiful view they've scattered rose petals all over the table I mean it's very sort of cliched in French and when I booked the table I didn't say I was vegetarian uh-huh. because I just wanted to get the booking first yes. and then a few days later I called up and said I'll oh, just let you know one of us is vegetarian so, so, sure, so it's no problem so we go in we sit down the waiter comes over and I said oh, just to remind you I did call and say this but I'm vegetarian mm. and sort of all the colour <gasps> drains from this guy's face he says uh, I'll, I'll just go and tell the chef I'm sure it won't be a problem and he comes back and in my memory it was like you know he's been stood in front of a propeller of a jumbo jet or whatever his head <laughs> he looks shot like some French chef must have yelled at him and says uh, just to be clear no fish no meat I said that's right no fish no meat it's, it's, it's okay so um, so the, the food comes the first course comes out and, and basically I get a plate of leaves with no dressing no yeah no and then the the second course comes out and my then girlfriend gets some I don't know like elaborate fish shellfish thing lobstery thing and I get another plate of leaves with no dressing no it's like someone's doing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and middle finger up right and then the and main, at what point yeah. are you going to well then the main course comes out and I'm thinking oh great I'm going to get another plate of leaves with no dressing and I don't so hers comes out but she's got foie gras right. and then like a very elegant sort of nouvelle cuisine almost like a, a teaspoonful of pureed potato next to this foie gras they bring mine out separately and I get that same potato but just three times like three teaspoons of potato no three yeah. smears yeah. Of yeah. yeah now meanwhile oh, God, she, she is God. a meat eater but she doesn't eat foie gras for the yeah. cruelty reasons but we've created such a fuss she's embarrassed not to eat it so what she ends up doing is hollowing out a bread roll stuffing the foie gras inside the bread roll and then getting me to take it into the lavatory and drop it into the toilet. Oh my god, what a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah. But did you say anything like... No, of course these not. These are just leaves. These are... No. Really? Yeah, and it was like a silly money, like 150 euros a head Fuck. or something. Yeah, yeah, it was... What? Yeah. The I, worst one like that, and you know, I did the, the stereotype about French food is it's terrible for vegetarians, and I've eaten some of the best vegetarian food of my life in France, so it doesn't yeah. always ring true. Sarah and I have been to the south of France quite often. We go to this place called Saint Jean Cap Ferrat, and there's a lovely little row of restaurants in the harbour there. Uh, I remember going into one of those restaurants and saying, uh, Okay, what have you got for vegetarian? He says, uh, Well, we have a, a, a goose liver uh, soup. I said, Oh, it's just I'm vegetarian. Has that not got a goose liver in it? And he says, "Yes, but it is in a soup." <laughs> Which is, I, I, I thought about the logic of that for a long time, like many years, and I never really got there with it. But anyway, we go. We it's go, like when my mum says, "I've made you a lovely vegan salad. It's got peppers, roasted peppers, artichoke hearts, you know, rocket. Mm. Mm, I've made a dressing, lovely oil and vinaigrette, vinegar dressing, and some lovely halloumi." <laughs> Thank you. Delicious. But we, we went to this. Sarah and I went 
you know, on one of her first hard days, we went to this amazing restaurant close to there. It's called the Chateau de Chevredor, the mm. Chateau of the Golden Goat. Golden Goat. Nice. And it's it's on. There's a cliff top town called Es that looks out, you know, sort of towards Nice one way and towards Monte Carlo the other way. It's, oh. it's sort of high up on this road called the Medium something or other. That we had the perfect table with the view on a balcony and. They, they brought the menu and it's eye-wateringly expensive but they had a good right. selection of vegetarian things there and nowadays Sarah's probably like 80% vegetarian mm. back then she was barely vegetarian um, so she, she orders her food and she orders whatever she orders to start and then she orders um, as a main course this Wagyu beef wow and I'd said I'm going to buy dinner tonight I'd like to treat you to this lovely dinner and I thought it was quite a bold move on her part because this this beef was a this, this main course was 125 euros because so, isn't that like a cow that's been massaged yeah I don't know I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to think too much about what's been that sounds like quite a nice life for a cow don't yeah, you put yeah, it like I that yeah. yeah. so so yeah, we have our starters and I'm um, enjoying it and thinking god Maybe I'll pay for this on a credit card, actually. I don't know if I've got enough for the rest of the holiday if I just do it on my debit card. And then the, the mains come out and I eat what I eat and it was lovely. And Sarah's eating this Wagyu beef. And she said, I'm getting a bit full, really. And she leaves about half of it. No. And I'm just sitting there. And, you know, the food has become disgusting on her plate because, <laughs> you know, the meal is over. And, and I'm just sitting there thinking... that's just all this money that's like 60 or 70 quid's worth of beef and you're just like leaving it and um, and I say because you know American are obsessed with doggy bags and getting things to take away which we always think of as uncouth but in this situation I I say to her do you maybe you want to get that wrapped up and bring it with you she's like no I don't think so so we're in the taxi on the way back to the hotel I went did you not enjoy that beef then she went I did I was just getting full and and I don't say anything but it's eating away at me so the next day I bring away I find some way of bringing it up (laughs) and basically it's one of these very high end French restaurants which to the man they give you the menu with the prices on and to women they don't give you the prices yes so she had no idea oh the patriarchy you don't understand on this occasion you screwed the man yeah you really screwed the man she would have put that away I mean, she, she, was, she was mortified I bet. she was absolutely mortified oh my yeah. god yeah. that is incredible say scrum diddly umptious and then you can be in my podcast scrum diddly umptious so you're a vegetarian for, out of animal love? Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, Always, for, for a long, long time. Since 2000. Okay. So I've been veggie a little bit as a teenager. And then the, the story of how I became vegetarian doesn't paint me in a great light. Um, <laughs> so bearing Just in mind... finished force-feeding <laughs> a duck. This is back when I was, uh, back when I was still drinking. Yeah. Um, I used to work on Virgin Radio and I used to cover Chris Evans' breakfast show but when, back when this was a sort of huge show yes. at the turn of the millennium and um, I was doing it 
you know, for a week and I'd gone out for a meal with a producer the night before and she'd been vegetarian for 11 years um, and I was eating sausages and she was talking about how much she loved sausages and how she really missed them mm. and back when she used to eat meat she'd be able to eat 15 sausages in one sitting. <laughs> sound of this so I sort of stored this up in my mind and then went on the radio the next day and said, so, so Leona's been a vegetarian for 11 years and, yeah. and, and you, but you really love sausages, you used to be able to eat 15 in a sitting, yeah? So I said, so how about, if what's, what's your favourite animal channel? She says, Peter. I say, if I donated £100 to Peter, will you eat a sausage on Friday's <gasps> breakfast show? Because you would be doing more good for animals by eating the sausage than you would by not eating the sausage. And um, she says no. And I, we sort of negotiate upwards and get to sort of two or three hundred pounds yeah. or whatever it wow. is, and she agrees to do it. Oh my gosh. So then the shit hits the fan Peter get in touch and they're really angry about it and this sort of like this narrative develops over the week and I'm joking about Peter and then they start saying we're going to organise a protest outside your radio station and it was back when sort of animal rights activists were still a bit firebomby yeah, back that, then that's some of the vegans yeah yeah so I started to become worried um, and they said what if you we send in a vegetarian chef and now he'll make you veggie sausages and you can see that those will be just as good as wow. the meat ones. So I said, sure. So they, they do that and we set up like a little stove and the chef down in the canteen area and at quarter past eight on the Friday morning, I go down with my headphones and microphone and I get him to explain what he's cooking and it's these veggie meat substitute sausages. Yeah. And, and then I shouldn't have done this and I knew I was going to do it like the day before so it was really immature of me. I, as I put it in my mouth, I just went, oh, get me some water. It's disgusting. It's just get water. Oh, it's horrible, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah And yeah, they yeah. didn't see the funny side of it. <laughs> um, and they were saying they're going to, like, um, do an article on it, all these magazines, and mail shot their members. And I said, look, what if I went vegetarian for a week mm. to, as a sign of goodwill? And somehow we talked them down. I can't remember, and I did. And I went veggie for a week. And it was probably, like, three months before I went sober... And my life was so out of control, there must have been some bit of my brain that liked having control over one thing and liked being... You'd already made a choice about something yeah. and stuck to it yeah. and actually found that it was okay yeah. because you... And then, you know, so I've always been an animal lover and, and I always did that thing, I think, that most people do where you turn up the cognitive dissonance about you know what an animal is and what's on your plate and and with time I've attached the morals to it yeah. because I'm an animal lover and and now it just feels really it's like firstly it's very easy and this is this is yeah. the weird thing for me with vegetarianism and I guess you know I'm a hypocrite because I don't, then don't extend it to veganism which I think is better oh, well, um, but like we've just ate this really good food yes. today yes. and nothing needed to die how could anyone I don't know how anyone could eat what we've just had and felt like it was missing anything yeah well, exactly and, and like your reason for eating meat is like oh, I just really like meat though mm-hmm. but it's like a really mad thing to think I really like eating meat so it is worth something dying because if I didn't have the meat I'd have to eat something that I still liked but maybe not quite as much yeah. it's like in, in um, you know if, if there's scarcity of course you yeah, understand yeah, why yeah. people eat meat but you can eat eat such great things yeah. and nothing needs to die yeah. so you're, you're basically saying oh, no, I just prefer that the, the, the taste of that for the 30 seconds it's in my mouth justifies something dying yeah. more than just eating something I would have enjoyed anyway bonkers really yeah. fascinating so, so that's, that's that that's a brilliant answer 
God, what a story. Yeah, no, um, it's not a typical vegetarian conversion story. No, it? it's yeah. not. But I think also, I think it's incredible that it came at exactly the same time as, as Stop and Drinking. Yeah, something, was, I think go- that, something that was going on. Just suddenly taking this bit of control over your life back mm. at a point of, I don't know, all the therapy I've ever had has always been like, you've got to get to the you've got to get to the bottom before you can even start climbing up and it sounds like it was all yeah, at yeah. the same time I've got one last big silly question everyone mm-hmm. gets their own version of this so mm-hmm. here's your scenario mm-hmm. a tsunami has occurred a big fat wave is coming towards your beautiful house which we're in now you happen to have everyone you love round for a dinner party of a lifetime in hopeful news a perfectly adequate dam has agreed to erect itself in exactly the right amount of time to save you all but only and only if Jeff if you agree to do 1500 metres run without ever walking slowing to a walking pace with a basket of very heavy fruit held aloft above your head you can't even walk once you can't slow to even a fast jog it's you've got to run the whole time you do it you're a hero you're allowed a shower or whatever you need to feel human again mm. and your reward is the feast of your dreams mm. um, so you can have whatever you want it doesn't even have to be things that are realistic it doesn't have to be things that go together but I imagine that maybe you would like things to go together actually from what we've learned today um, but it can be like totally impractical if you want I want to know what you're eating what you're drinking who where and where so I, I, I know this sounds cheesy but I just want to be with my wife I don't Aww. want to be with anybody else not even your silly baby no I don't, I don't want think so. I don't want my like, he's, 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 he's napping he's, yeah. he's napping in this scenario yeah um, when I, so I told you this story before and I can't look at you in a second because I get weepy but, um, when I met Sarah so we, we went for coffee a few days later we'd met on the radio show and we, we were sitting in this coffee shop and we had bagels and we were talking and um, I just remember I can't I can't, I can't I, I just I said this in my speech at my wedding and I just remember thinking I don't want you to stop talking I just I could just listen to you talk forever and I still feel like that really so it would be her Aww. It's weird because she has a very grating voice. <laughs> kind of like, dis- despite that, um, it's, and, it's so it's so romantic. And I really love Indian street food, so that that's okay. my thing. Really, there is a dish that I am infinitely obsessed with: chili paneer, and it's yeah. actually Indo-Chinese. Um, so these little squares of paneer, which is the Indian cottage mm. cheese done in soy sauce and, and, and chilli sauce and with peppers and spring onions and I've tried to make it at home so often and I can never get it quite right and I'd have that and I think called a vada pao which is a burger bun with a big patty of mashed potato uh, which is spiced like a masala mashed potato on top of which has like a lovely powdery masala powder and a lovely green chutney and a fried chilli and th- those are the things I obsess about and th- th- those two dishes I obsess about I travel all over London mm-hmm. you know if I hear a place sort of an hour and a half does away a the tube, does a Vada Pau I'll go there it's you know like sneak off there a little bit in a burger and then that's yeah a little bit I mean it's a bit like a chip butty right more, more than yeah, anything and, and I, I sometimes like secretly in the middle of the day just like go off to Wembley or somewhere yeah. just to eat these things um, so I'd, I'd sit and eat that with my wife and then um, and then afterwards 
I would have a soft serve from Momofuku Milk Bar in New York, which is when we were courting. We did our courting in New York, and this yeah. is the Momofuku is actually a chain of. I think maybe Korean grill restaurants but they have a dessert bar and they do like these little balls called birthday cake truffles which are just delicious and they do the best what we think of as like Mr Whippy soft serve ice cream they do cereal milk flavour and it's just Momofuku Momofuku Fuku yeah that's it soft serve Mm. oh my god yeah oh that sounds amazing it is I can't thank dear brilliant Jeff Lloyd enough for talking to me and for sharing those incredible stories and for being such a beautifully open book. When I think about how much he loves his wife, I feel my chest inflating a bit with joy. Jeff, if you didn't already know, is the co-host of two exquisite podcasts, two of my faves, Adrift with Annabelle Port and also Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband, both of which will fill your hearts and your heads. I can't recommend them enough. They are properly brilliant. He's on all the social medias as at Jeff Lloyd. I'm on those things as at Jessica Fosterkew. I'd love it, please, if you rate and review this podcast. It bumps it up the whatever's... I think it's really helpful. I'm told I have to ask you to do it. And I really love it when you do it. I also love it when you contact me. The podcast is on social media. It's at The Hoovering Pod on Twitter, Instagram. If you want to contact me for something longer, my website is jessicafosterq.com. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next time, happy hoovering. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.